Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, I'm not sure the Flyers could have drawn it up any worse on Wednesday night. Their GM speaks the day before, addressing the media at the quarter mark of the season about his struggling team, mired in a six-game losing streak. The Flyers come out the next night. They fall down 2-0 in the first period, and they lose one of their best players to an injury in that period. Joel Farabee doesn't return, suffering an upper body injury. They go on to lose 4-1. The losing streak is at seven games. It just was not a good result for the Flyers. Not a good night, period, after their GM addresses the media um, about a team that's really, really in a difficult situation right now. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What did you think of the game? How damaging does this game feel to you? Or do you feel like uh, Chuck Fletcher was addressing multiple days ahead? He's not just talking about, hey, we're living and dying on this Wednesday night game. Uh, it sounds like he, he thinks the Flyers need to get through this stretch here. But it's just not getting easier. It isn't. And um, I think that when Chuck was speaking, he was speaking about it was almost like, a, okay, we have this tough game against the Rangers tomorrow, but how about the five and seven next week? And that's that's really what he's looking at as a sort of, uh, you know, his words, not mine, make or break type of thing. Um, as premature as it might seem to call a December week, a make or break week. Um, when you look at the division uh, and you look at where the Flyers have situated themselves early in the season, I think you could describe it as a make or break because the way the NHL schedule is, you're going to have these teams up that are ahead of you and the teams in your division playing each other a lot during the, the 2022 part of the schedule. Excuse me. And, you know, that means somebody's going to be getting points every night. So I, I do think you can consider it a somewhat of a make-or-break week next week, and I think that's what he was referring to. Um, but that said, uh, you can't like what you saw last night, uh, particularly from the start of the game. Um, you mentioned the 2 nothing lead and the kind of – I mean, there was – the second goal in particular – felt like the the Rangers were just kind of playing with the Flyers, almost like, can we make the perfect pass? Almost like, can I, I can shoot from here, but maybe I still can make the perfect pass because that lane is open. And it just seemed like the Flyers were all over themselves, all over the place defensively in their own zone. And, you know, kind of left Carter Hart out to dry. And, you know, that's not what you want to see. You don't want to see it anytime. You don't definitely don't want to see it the day after your GM um, gives the state of the team address, which is not. Let's be honest; it's it was not favorable. There's not a lot to speak of over this last stretch of, um, as Chuck put it into the two ten game stretches, 
Not a ton positive to speak of over the last 10, now 11 games when you include last night. And, you know, you mentioned the Joel Farabee injury. I mean, you get Kevin Hayes back, and not even halfway into the game where Hayes is back, Farabee goes down. Um, and he tried to play afterwards, and obviously, you know, he came off the bench for the shift after that, holding his shoulder. And, you know, you just kind of knew where that was going to go. And it's a little different there with the at the Garden when the players have to go across the ice to get off back to the locker rooms. So when he came out for that shift, I was kind of wondering, like, is he just going across to get off the ice? But he stayed out there for a shift, and obviously that was not – that didn't go well, and then he left the ice um, not to return. So – you know, a lot of concern for him. Anytime you see that shoulder area, um, that's not a good thing. And and I just feel like uh, they're in a bad way right now, and something has to bring them out. There has to be a statement, whether it be on the ice. I, I kind of feel like all the talking has been done. It's got to be something that happens on the ice that um, propels this team out of this hole. And, you know, it's not like it gets any easier with Tampa and Colorado on the horizon. And then you have New Jersey again on the road who just got Jack Hughes back. So it's not like things are lightening up in the schedule department at this point in time. No, it really needs to be someone that just steps up and kind of takes the bull by the horns and says, this needs to stop. Whether it's a massive goal early in the game to kind of take the pressure off of people, whether it's a massive goal late in the game uh, in a tight, you know, low-scoring game, whether it's honestly Martin Jones or Carter Hart pitching a shutout because at this point it looks like they, they may have to do so. So, yeah, the loss of Farabee is huge. We don't know the status of his injury. As Joe mentioned, it was an upper body injury. It looks like it might have been his shoulder because he was hunched over. Uh, he's being reevaluated today, Thursday. Uh, the team is off the ice practice-wise. They're probably doing a lot of video and stuff, and then they're, they're back on the ice Friday for practice. So we'll know more than on Fairbeat. But that would be a huge loss if he's out any extended period of time. That's a 21-year-old kid that led your team in goals last year. And here's a team that hasn't scored more than three goals since October 27th. They're scoring 1.67 goals per game since October 30th. Um, they can't buy a goal right now. And here's one young player that was scoring and uh, scored for you a ton last season. So, yeah, it just – it was a – it was a – Perfect storm uh, on Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden for the Flyers. Yeah, and Jordan, there was one other thing that that is particularly concerning to me, and this is kind of a leftover from last year. When they score goals, there there's no momentum garnered from the goals, and I feel like that is concerning. Last night they're down 3 nothing. They get a goal, and it just doesn't seem like anything carries over. In previous games – they score a goal and then allow another goal almost right away. And that was something that plagued them all of last year. And I just, those kind of things, you should get momentum out of a goal. And when you don't get momentum out of a goal, and in, in a lot of cases with this team recently, you allow another goal right away. I feel like that's almost more damaging than if you didn't score in the first place, because yeah. it should be built in momentum when you score that you you get a little jump, you get get some extra, um, as Peter Laviolette used to say, like extra jam, and the Flyers don't seem to get that. And in a lot of cases, and it was the case last year, it goes the other way, which is really concerning. 
indeed. And they are pressing big time. That was the one of the biggest things I took away from Wednesday night's game was they are pressing. And that's why these losing skids are so dangerous. They're so precarious spots because these are human beings. Like as much as they are professional athletes and they make a lot of money to play this sport, um, they are human beings. And thoughts creep into your head when things aren't going well. And when these skids linger and they pile up game by game, uh, just naturally – uh, you start to press, and you can tell this team is pressing. They give up a goal, and you can tell it's in their heads. It's in their heads that they have lost a lot of games in a row and that they can't score goals right now. Um, and it's difficult to score goals when you're pressing because, as we know, the cliche, you're gripping the stick too tight. You're thinking about it when you're trying to score, when you're trying to shoot. You're overthinking decisions. Uh, they are pressing big time. I think Elaine Vigneault even hit on that in his post-game press conference with reporters up in New York. He said – um, they, they need they need these players to finish. Someone needs to finish plays, score goals. I mean, they had 34 shots. Um, they had some power play opportunities. I thought they had good looks against the Rangers, but they could only bury one goal, and it was a tapping goal by Morgan Frost, where the puck's just kind of sitting there for him to, to tap it in. So I will say I did like the goal by Morgan Frost because it showed some aggressiveness because he yeah. kind of had to pitchfork it in there, and I and – I, I liked seeing that from him, but again, I would have liked to have seen after that goal there to be some more, you know, tilted ice to use a cliche. You know, yeah. get some more, put some pressure on on the Rangers, and I don't really think that happened. Yeah. Um, I will say though, I felt like during the the last thirty minutes of the game last night, the Flyers I think were the better team yeah. in terms of the energy level and. and but it didn't result in any goals. And that's another concern is that the Rangers looked like they put the game in autopilot and you didn't make them pay for that at all. And, you know, I, I don't know if that says anything about the level of respect that they have for the Flyers or just, you know, it, it's to me, you, if you want to be a success, successful team, you have to recognize that in your opponent and take advantage of it. And I didn't see any of that happening last night. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Joe, I really can't fault the Flyers' effort and energy. Like, I I can tell they care. Um, it's not that. I just think they're in such a, such a hole right now in terms of a losing skid that it is as much mental, if not more than mental, uh, more mental than it is physical or effort. Um, but that that is the danger of these skids. They become mental uh, battles. And if anything, if there's any, if you can take any solace in anything, it's that it's early. Uh, it, it is early. It's an 82-game regular season. It's December 1st. We've seen teams go through skids. Uh, it's just a matter. They need to get out of it some way, somehow. I truly believe one win could do it because I think that's just what they need to get off their minds is that they're on a losing streak. Uh, they just need one win and I think it could help them, but the schedule does not lighten up uh, five starting Sunday, five games in seven days, Joe, as you mentioned, uh, they have the lightning and avalanche and a back to back the two time defending champs that have given them two losses already in this streak. And then the avalanche, a team that a lot of people think is a cup contender. Um, it just, they don't have it's a, a, it's a shorthanded team. Colorado team. I, I think. I mean, I know Nathan McKinnonson spent some time on the IR. Not sure what his status will be by Monday, but you know, that's 
the those two but as you said though one win could do it and i think one win in particular against a team like tampa or colorado a team where almost nobody is giving you the chance to win the game i think that definitely could go a long way as opposed to a win against somebody like the devils or you know next weekend they get the arizona coyotes you know it's a win against a team that as i mentioned before a statement yeah i think is is one that could could have longer lasting effects yeah, that Lightning game would be a beautiful game for them to win in terms of their psyche because it's a, the two-time defending champs, the team that's beaten you twice in this streak, you're doing it at home in front of your fans. Like that would be I'm sure that would tell them, "Hey, we can we can play with good teams. Here's a team that's given us trouble and we beat them to snap our skid." Like that would be a golden game for them to win. Uh but yeah, it won't be easy. Uh, nothing is easy right now for this team to the point where you're really wondering how do they come out of this. There's so much to explore in Valley Forge and Montgomery County, PA. Montgomery County is composed of charming towns and main streets, each with its own personality, style, and unique vibe. Whether you are looking to get away with family or enjoy a special trip with friends, leave behind the stress of planning and use our guide to find some of the most amazing things to do. Explore which town and Main Street suits you best or visit them all. Visit MakeItMainStreet.com to plan your getaway today. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Joe, if you could find any positives, and I don't think anyone really wants to talk about positives right now, and justifiably so. There's nothing to be positive about a seven-game losing streak, uh, a team that's eight, nine, and four, when everyone was hoping they would rebound from the disaster of last season. But is if there's any positives you feel like the Flyers could build on from Wednesday night or at least going into this big stretch, what would it be in your mind? Well, I'll, I'll say this, and, and and Taryn and Al talked about it on the postgame show last night. Morgan Frost scores that goal, and then he had four shots on goal, I believe, after that. And you're cut, you kind of saw like, okay, wait a minute. This might be this kid – arriving this is him showing up and that can only be perceived as a good thing um 
you know, I, I, I was, you've been, we've all been waiting to see something from him since training camp. We talked about it on this podcast about his training camp was not an ideal one for anyone. He would tell you that himself. He doesn't make the team out of camp. And you kind of start to wonder, okay, what's going on? He hadn't played a lot of hockey in, you know, the last year and a half or so. And and then last night it was – he scores the goal. And then for the next good stretch in that game, he becomes the most, most noticeable player for the Flyers on the ice. And I think that can only be taken as a positive um, because they need something to infuse offense and energy into this lineup right now. And maybe Morgan Frost is the guy to do that. Agreed. That was such a positive step for Morgan Frost. He gets a goal. Uh, and like you said, he started lighting up. Um, he lit up uh, big time. He started, like, you noticed him. He was a constant right. threat when he was out there. And that was a real positive because this team needs goals. It needs playmaking. It needs someone to make something happen and finish. And uh, if Frost can be that guy, can be that spark, that would be great. So Yeah, and I... That, that following shift right after he scored, he got himself to the slot. He got the puck and got it off his stick as a shot, you know, and, and I feel like, I felt like you could see his confidence growing because you can tell a confident player when the puck's on their stick and it's off of it with a shot. Yeah. And I don't think we would have seen that if it was earlier in the season, uh, a preseason game. That's not the Morgan Frost that we saw during the preseason or even during, you know, other games that he's played this year, which is obviously a small sample size, but it just shows you what one goal can do for the confidence of a young player like Frost. And I liked seeing him get to a goal-scoring area and then get the puck off his stick when it got to him. And guys looking for him, I mean, that's that's what you want to see. I mean, I, there's no there's no mystery in Morgan's Morgan Frost's game. His game is about offense. It's about getting shots on net. It's about getting the goal scoring areas and getting the puck on net. And I felt like that's what we saw last night. And that can only be taken as a positive. Agreed. And if there's another thing for me, again, it's it, maybe it's a moral victory in a way, but uh, the power play at least got set up and at least got chances. And that is nothing to really write home about. But the fact is the GM did come out and he lamented the, the entries being a major problem that the Flyers couldn't even get set up uh, in the, in the offensive zone on the power play. Uh, they did get set up against the Rangers. They did have decent looks. So maybe in the Flyers minds in the players minds, it was, Hey, we're right there. We're right there on the doorstep of getting going on this power play. Um, they can at least have that in their minds that they did get set up. They did get shots. Um, and maybe that can get them going. And the other positive for me is they have some days now between a game and that's, I think could be really good for them. Three days, um, they'll have at least two practices on the ice uh, to really recharge before a big home back-to-back. I think that can be good for them in terms of resting some of their injured players and maybe getting some reinforcements. Maybe Derek Broussard is closer. Wade Allison is possibly going to be playing some games in Lehigh Valley this weekend. He's a kid that would be a welcome sight right now. Uh, We'll see what what goes on with Joel Farabee. Maybe – uh, it's not as serious, and maybe these days here between games could help him. Uh, and really for the players that are healthy, to get some practice time, to recharge, and maybe that can be really good for them. There's no reason why, Joe, they should not come out like gangbusters on Sunday against the Lightning on their home ice. Yeah, um, 
if you can't get up to play that team, you mentioned a team that's beat you twice recently. Um, you know, they have all their talent. But but I, I will say this, too. If any of the Flyers players, coaching staff, is thinking about injuries, all you have to do is look at this Tampa team. They're missing Kucherov, and Braden Point is on IR. Um, that It's not arguable. That's two of their top four, five players on IR. And now, yeah, they do they have more talent up and down their lineup? Yeah, and they've won two Stanley Cups in a row. But take a look at their lineup and just you just realize, okay, everybody's dealing with injuries. Maybe they're not dealing with six injuries as the Flyers are, but everyone's dealing with injuries. And you need to go out and take advantage of the fact that you're getting a Lightning team that doesn't have a Kucherov or a Braden Point. Braden Point, I believe, scored the game-winning goal in two games ago against the Lightning. Um, you know, go out and take advantage. And as I mentioned, the Colorado Avalanche have been banged up. They, you know, one of their top defensemen, the rookie or a second-year guy, Bowen Byram, he's been out of the lineup. I know he just returned, but, you know, everybody has had their share of, of injuries. So that is something everyone deals with. You got to go out and make a statement. And, you know, if you go out and you beat the Lightning and it, you go in, on to play well and, you know, in March you're fighting for a playoff spot, nobody's going to go back and, and say, you know, it really turned on that Lightning win. But we beat them without Point and Kucherov. That, no one's going to say that. It's beating the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I think that's the kind of win that the Flyers need. Indeed. And, Joe, I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, it was something that caught my eyes. I was looking back at the box score because, one, I hardly noticed him, and then I realized probably why I hardly noticed him was Oscar Lindblom. He played only seven minutes, 43 seconds. He's on that fourth line right now. I really think, you know, their flyers are uh, maybe a healthy body or two away from him being a healthy scratch. I just – I can't quite tell what's going on with Oscar Lindblom. I, I had really high hopes for him going into this year. Um, obviously, I commend the hell out of him for everything he's been through, um, and I really thought – just the way he came into camp in such amazing shape. He was in his fitness levels, pre-cancer diagnosis. Um, I really thought he was going to have that solid depth type of year that the Flyers really needed. He hasn't scored a goal, and he's just not even playing right now. Um, I'm worried that he will be a healthy scratch when the Flyers get healthy. What, what do you think about him? Yeah, it's um, it, it's tough. And, and you know, you, you mentioned we obviously all – we all have a ton of respect for what Oscar went through um, over the last, you know, two years really. And his recovery, the shape that he came back in and can't, his dedication. And really, I mean, just a, an absolute role model for, um, for anyone, uh, not only anybody who is diagnosed with any type of cancer at a young age, but, really anyone who's facing any kind of adversity um, to look at how he dealt with that. Um, but we always feel, we always hear this term from um, players and former players about hockey shape. And I don't think that any of us that aren't on the ice and don't play on a regular basis. And obviously neither of us have played in a professional level. Um, we really can define what hockey shape means. And 
I kind of feel like that might be what Oscar is struggling with. Um, those treatments, we don't know what they what effect they have on um, a on a person's on a on a body on their strength on you know all the things that go into um, feeling a hundred percent just as a a human being for everyday life, let alone being a hockey player. Yeah, and you know. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to speculate, but, you know, they're not, there's nobody that says that cancer treatments are easy on a person's body. They're not. And, um, you know, I don't, it's, it's tough to, to look at it because there's nobody that's not rooting for him. I mean, we all wish he was a first line player and he was out there. I mean, we've seen it in the NHL before. I mean, um, some years back, uh, Saku Koivu overcame um, with Brian Boyle as a perfect example who's playing. Um, but even when you look at Brian Boyle, I mean, when he went through his he, – he was a, a top six forward for the Rangers. I don't know that he's ever gotten back to that top six level that he was at. Now, Brian Boyle was, an, was older than Oscar when he went through his treatment, so – you know, and and I'm not trying to compare one guy's treatment to another. I'm I'm not a, I don't know the complexities of each guy's treatment, but you really feel for Oscar, and and um, you know, you mentioned you don't really notice him playing seven minutes. Um, you you feel like he is a candidate to be a healthy scratch, and um, it's it's really. You wonder if he needs a a reset where he goes to the minor leagues and plays, um, and plays a you know in a in a less pressure packed environment. I'm not saying the AHL is not pressure packed; it is, but he's already played there and he's kind of you know exceeded the talent level that plays in the AHL. So. It's almost like a confidence reset. Um, maybe that could do him some good. I, I don't know. It's it's, um, but it is it is. You, you really feel for the guy, and you just kind of have that feeling, like man, if the, we mentioned earlier in this podcast, what one goal, what one win could do for this team. I feel like you could say the same thing for Oscar. What one goal could do. For this guy, because we all know how his teammates rally around him, how the city rallies around him and everyone. Um, so you just you really would like to see that. Um, but I agree with you. He, he. He may be a couple bodies away from being a healthy scratch. Um, and that would be a shame to see. Um, but at the same time, maybe it's a reset for him. And maybe that's exactly what he needs at this time. Yeah, I really am just amazed that Oscar Lindbaum's playing hockey right now. It really—I mm -hmm. remember I told myself when he, uh, when he was going through what he was going through, and when he came back, and um, I kind of told myself, especially when he signed that extension and got the three-year deal, I was like, if Oscar Lindblom can just be a fourth-line player at the NHL level, um, that will be truly amazing. Like, good for Oscar. Uh, that's incredible that he's a regular in an NHL lineup after going through what he went through. So right now he's a fourth line player and you know what? 
that's pretty damn good. But people had expectations. He has expectations for himself. Like he wants to be a top six player. He wants to be effective. The Flyers hope he can be as well. So that's why people are, you know, looking at his numbers right now and saying, wow, like we really wish Oscar could get back to where he was for him and for the team. Um, I think the Flyers are in a battle right now because Elaine Vigneault has said he sees Oscar Lindblom as a top six forward. He thinks he can be there. And I think they want to get him in a role like that to maybe spark him. But they just don't have, they don't have a choice right now. Um, they need to win games. They need to get guys in spots where they think they can win. And right now, Oscar is looking like a fourth-line player, and he has to be on a fourth line. And in an opportunity like last night, they're shortening their bench like anything because in the third period, they're just trying to come back and tie the game. So they shorten their bench, and Oscar doesn't play much at all. And then suddenly his minutes are at 7 minutes, 43 seconds. So it's a tough spot because when you're trying to get a player out of a funk, it's not the best way to put him on a fourth line and shorten his minutes. Um, well, too, the, the other thing, too, Jordan, is – and we mentioned – we talked about this with Morgan Frost and his style of play doesn't really suit fourth line style. I would think the same can be said for Oscar Lindblom. He's not – like no. you would – I understand that – AV likes to play the fourth line generally more than a lot of coaches do. But the fourth line in most cases is your checking line. You know, that's what a lot of that's kind of been established over decades that that's your checking line. I'm not really sure that's the style that suits Oscar Lindblom the best. And the Flyers right now can't afford to play him up the lineup a little more. And so they're kind, it's kind of like they're stuck, as you mentioned. And then you see what you saw on the box score last night. His minutes cut down to seven um, because, you know, he's an offensive player first. And generally your fourth line is not offense first. It's more like stay the course slash defensive style first. And that's not really suited to Oscar's game. So I think that's also part of the issue. Absolutely. And I think one or two things are going to have to happen for Oscar really to get into a better spot in the lineup. Um, one, the Flyers are going to either have to come out of their funk, uh, start winning some games, and then they'll have a little more flexibility um, to move Oscar Lindblom up the lineup because they're not pressing for wins um, or at least desperate for wins. Like They're going to be in a better place to maybe move around their lineup. Or Oscar's going to have to score a goal or produce a, a really notable game on the fourth line, which is not easy to do. Uh, it's not easy to put up offense when you're playing those type of minutes on the fourth line. But if he does that, then the Flyers can warrant moving him up the lineup, promoting him and saying, hey, good job, Oscar. Uh, you deserve a promotion for that. So I think it's going to have to be one of those two things to really see Oscar go up the lineup and, uh, and start producing offense. It won't come easily. Nothing is coming easily right now for this Flyers team. Uh, but a big week ahead, big games ahead, a lot of games. You can catch them on NBC Sports Philadelphia. You can catch all the coverage on pre- and post-game live, produced by our very own Joe Fordyce. Joe, thanks so much. Always great chatting with you. Cannot wait to watch the shows. A big thank you to you for joining me here. Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru, big time thanks to you as well for helping us with this podcast as always. And Flyers fans, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, 
please rate and listen, and we can't wait to talk to you next time.